Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I am your host, Don Cardenas. I hope you are having a splendid day. All right, so this week I am in a bit of a pretty big time crunch, so I'm going to have to get right to the recommendations, and they're going to have to be pretty brief. But that's okay. I have two awesome guests that will uh, help make up for all of that. So let's get to it. My comic book recommendation is not a comic book. I didn't have a chance to uh, read anything in full this week so i don't have a full-on recommendation but i did binge the series mythic quest on apple tv plus and it was amazing i really really enjoyed it it's funny it's sweet it's geeky it's uh almost uh toxic (laughs) with its masculinity at times uh and it's all in on the joke um the series follows a fictional game studio uh, that produces a game called Mythic Quest, which is kind of like a world of warfare, massive online RPG. Uh, and it's dealing a lot with the creator, uh, Ian Grimm, who you know is kind of this visionary of sorts, but he also you know clashes a lot with the programmers, especially the lead programmer, Poppy Lee. And it has a lot of great cast members like Danny Pudi from Community playing the head of monetization who's he's just hilarious throughout the whole thing uh they have the head writer played by f murray abraham of all people and uh it stars rob McElhenney as uh ian grimm and uh charlotte nickow nick i'm sorry nick dow <laughs> i was reading that a little bit too fast as poppy lee and they have a great rapport back and forth with their frustrations with each other and yeah, it's you know created by Charlie Day, Megan Gans, Rob McElhenney, and it's very very funny. It's they, they they have some like really great episodes where they kind of go into like some backstories of some of the characters, and one that doesn't seem to be tied to anything in general until they bring it in later. That's you know, uh, there's an episode called a uh, Dark Quiet Death that is probably could be this would be a, like. Uh, an, a lauded short film if it was released on its own for what it is and yeah it's it's just a really great series it has a lot of heart comedy it's not afraid to get you know a little mean <laughs> to its characters at time but yeah it, it, nothing about it seems overly cynical or you know it's it's not you know ted lasso levels of you know hopefulness or, or positivity or things like that or feel goodness but it's really good and i think more people should be checking this out that's mythic quest on apple tv all right for music recommendation this week i am going with spirit box and their new lp eternal blue now this may sound familiar if you're a regular listener to the show but i talked about spirit box uh, a while back when they were kind of releasing some of their albums, uh, albums, their their singles throughout the, the spring, and yeah, the LP is out now, and it's fantastic. This entire album is every song is just wonderful. <laughs> Whether it's wonderful in a heavy, aggressive, dark way, or in a very melancholic, beautifully sung, orchestrated way, 
they they nail it they they've obviously put a lot of work into this album a lot of heart and soul and sweat and blood and anger into all of it and it's this one giant giant massive album that i think i don't it's 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 currently number two on the charts uh, under lil nas x (laughs) you know it's it's obviously more successful than anyone expected it to be and i hope it just continues to grow i think they can really be some like this crossover type band where it brings a lot of people into metal um you know trying to pin them into a certain genre it's pointless you could say oh they have some metalcore type stuff or some genty type stuff or some progressive metal type stuff it's but it it doesn't all fit neatly it it's not poppy but it's because everything you know the lyrics are very emotional and dark even when they're you know clean and, and and sung in a very melodic fashion it's just yeah they i think they've kind of forged their own way with with merging all these things and they they come out with something fresh and new and you know that's pretty hard these days i think and you know i'm 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 100 here for it uh you know the the band consists of four people uh courtney laplante on vocals uh, mike stringer on guitar bill crook on bass and zev rose on drums and yeah they are very cohesive they're very groovy they know when they be they have like a lot of spacey more i want to say uh almost you know just that uh, spacey's not the right word it just they know how to set a mood with the music even if it's a heavy riff or if it's just something with you know uh, an affected texture type thing they, they they put a lot of care and craft into this album and it really shows and I'm glad that it's kicking all sorts of ass on the charts. I really think uh, you guys would enjoy this one. Last time I talked about them, I brought up the song Circle With Me, which I've only grown to enjoy even more since I last brought it up. But, you know, even some of the other songs that they had singles for that I wasn't 100% latched on to, upon hearing the context of the album, have completely, like, brought me in. Uh, So I'm going to pick one of those at random as my song choice for the album. And we have Holy Roller. That's a heavy one. That's a good one. Um, Yeah. Spirit Box, Eternal Blue. I think there's something for everyone in this album. And I'm glad to see the success success that they are getting. And I just hope, you know, they're one of those bands that just kind of takes over the world for a little bit. (laughs) I think it's well-deserved. And I think it would be a breath of fresh air for... uh, for everybody to check this out. Alright.
All right, on to my guest this week. I have the awesome duo, or two-thirds, I should say, of the team behind the killer Kickstarter, Savage Wizard, Leslie Julian and Brian Flint. Um, I talked to Leslie and Brian about the Kickstarter, how they kind of formed their team <laughs> to kind of to make the book, the their influences behind everything, and just a whole bunch of other stuff. They're really great dudes. They were really fun to talk to, and I'm glad the Kickstarter is doing well. They've just released out like more variant covers and stuff like that. And yeah, you should definitely go check this out. Savage Wizard looks like it's going to be just like a really fun, just like awesome fantasy book that, yeah, I just, I don't know. Stuff like this, it's kind of hard to like sell it because it's like, if you're not in on this, like, I just feel sorry for you. <laughs> if like an awesome fantasy book is like, you're like, I don't know you know savage wizard barbarian type thing i don't know i don't know if that's for me like i i I don't know what i can say to convince you like that's more than enough for for me (laughs) to to want to jump in on this so yeah but if if you're on the fence listen to leslie listen to brian they they do much better job selling it but yeah it's it's going to be an awesome book i hope it kicks all forms of ass i hope they blow through their goal and get all the stretch goals they want and you know, find you know, it succeeds their wildest dreams because it looks like a really fun book. I can't wait to read it, and yeah, they are great dudes. Like I said, so enough yammering. I am all over the place today. <laughs> let's get to it, Leslie and Brian. Let's go. All right. So in the realm of me doing interviews for this podcast, I've run the gamut of people I've known on twitter forever but never spoke to people i have known in person and and had plenty of conversations with before and have on the show and people i have you know not have a lot of twitter interactions with and not really spoken to online and of those i think the one i'm probably most excited to have uh started going down is the people i have really little interaction with and little knowledge of but uh you know seem like really cool and interesting creators and that is definitely you too uh you have a really cool kickstarter going on that looks exactly like my jam and it looks wicked as hell and i can't wait to talk to you guys about it but first leslie brian comics coffee metal what are you digging right now Uh, for comics, um, I need to get back into it, but uh, I, I got hooked into the, the first volume of uh, Gideon Falls by uh, Jeff Lemire. Um, I actually haven't read any of his other stuff, but I had a lot of friends that were hyping it up, and I checked it out and um, lived up to the hype. Um, just, yeah, really into like the mystery of it all and trying to figure out what, what the hell is happening. I don't understand what's happening, but uh, it, it looks great. And yeah. Andrea, I, I forget um, last name, is just doing amazing stuff in the interiors. Um, so yeah, um, Gideon Falls is uh, definitely more from my brain right now. Brian? Um, uh, for metal, I've been falling back into Mastodon, uh, oh, like the nice. older stuff, like Remission. I really love that album a ton. And uh, the newer Earthless album. Those two things I've been in my uh, circulation a lot now in the uh 
document that Leslie so awesomely sent me about Savage Wizard and all that, you mentioned that in your bio that you were inspired by classic horror, black metal, and Adderall. So, in in terms of black metal, do you have like a go-to band for that? Because uh, I've been trying to get into a bit more black metal, but it, it's kind of difficult to um, I guess navigate those waters because uh, there's there's kind of like a meme going around where it's like, oh, this black metal band's awesome. Oh, they're Nazis. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know? So, uh, so uh, you know, do you do you have any uh, recommendations for me to to, to check out uh, that 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 should be um, safe <laughs> safe to enjoy and listen to? <laughs> let me see. Um. Well, in that thing, uh, the I used the word black metal more because it sounded metal, uh, mm-hmm. just a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Norwegian stuff, to, to be honest, black metal. It, it, I like a lot of it, but I don't really follow a ton of it. Okay, if, if that makes sense. One hundred percent, because you can't, especially with metal, you can't follow like a ton of different genres fully, just because there's so much out there now and so many different variations of things. It's it's just hard to like, you know, unless. You know, it's kind of like thing where like you know people who are in like just into black metal are like kind of like only into black metal because there's so much out there that that's all they can kind of that's all they like consume and all that. So people like me and I'm gonna take a jump here and assume like you who kind of like sample from different genres or different subgenres of of metal. You know, we're aware of things <laughs> around yeah. around different genres, but. We're, you know, we're not going to have like an in-depth knowledge of uh, of one particular one more than the other. It is it's it's that uh, I'm sure you know metal metal heads like fucking dorks. Like we we are, and and oh, if you dorks, if you yeah. name if I name any band, I you will probably get a thousand comments saying, "Well, they're not really." technically black metal or they're not Norwegian and blah, blah. Mm. So like, that's why genres, I always just try to stay away from them. Um, they're not true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gotta love metal. Um, (laughs) the skeleton, which black metal. Cause I liked their last album. It's, it's, it felt black metal, but it, you know, I, I I would, I, you know, not, not authority on it at all, but I'd say so. I'd say they're, they're 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 black metal tinged, at the very yeah. Like least. that that newer album was way different than their other thrashy stuff, right? Yeah, unless yeah, they come out with something more recently. It was definitely a bit harsher, I think, and just yeah, it just more in that vein. I think of black metal. Yeah. Um, how about you, Leslie? I know you're not a metalhead, but what's what's the music that gets you pumping lately? Well, so I would say, actually, I did try to write um, this to a little bit of metal, um, but it was more so, I guess, I'm not sure if it counts, but I'm more progressive stuff. So I was listening to Intervals. Um, mm-hmm, like, nice. Uh, like, uh, instru- yeah, I, I can basically only listen to instrumental stuff. So I was listening to a lot of Intervals when I was writing this, uh, which I really liked um, The Shape of Color a lot. That helped me a lot. Um, if anyone knows any kind of like, hair metal uh, <laughs> instrumental bands feel free to throw me some recommendations because that, that was kind of the energy i was getting into but i just stumbled on intervals and i just yeah love the shape of color a ton uh so yeah i, I just uh i think uh kind of gravitates for the uh quote-unquote progressive stuff i guess 
No, no, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's cool. Uh, interview intervals is great. Um, I, I've said this before on the show. Metal is less now a genre and then more like a medium. Like yeah. you could say, let's check out this metal band, and that could be anything mm-hmm. from, you know, early Judas Priest to, you know, the most blackened death metal, black metal, inaudible screeching to something like Intervals or, you know, like Architects or stuff like that, or where mm-hmm. it has a lot of the metal influences and can still be considered metal, but it's also very melodic and kind of progressive and, and chill <laughs> at times and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it's part of the reason I love metal so much is this because whatever mood I'm in, there's usually a band or several that, that, that'll fit that, 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 you know, that feeling I'm looking for. Not that I don't like other genres of music and all that. Um, I have a pretty varied taste, I think. But yeah, it, it's just like, I can always find some metal to fill that void <laughs> if, if yeah. I'm looking for something. Especially now, lately, for the yeah, show. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep that in mind, Leslie. So I'm definitely going to be, uh, if I come across stuff, I'm definitely going to be shooting you links. Because, you know. Yeah, totally. Anything Thank you. Could... Please do. Yeah, I, I was uh, writing a, a sci-fi uh, thing, and I again I came across another um, instrumental artist. Uh, this guy, I think he's in England. Uh, I hope I'm not butchering his name, but Sithu I, uh, his um, album uh, set the course for Andromeda. Like I was like obsessed with that um, while I was um, writing, and like I think one of the tracks like made me cry. It was so freaking good. <laughs> so yeah, was... that's awesome. Um, so let's, 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 let's talk coffee. Now, Leslie, again, you said, you said you're not, you're not a big coffee drinker, but like previous guests, you know, Mario Candelaria or Ramon Villalobos, there's, there's, there's that drink you have. That's your jam. So what do you got? What do you got? Is there something that you wake up in the morning and it's like, that, that's my go-to. If we're talking about just wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm really boring, I'll just drink a water to wake myself <laughs> up. But we're getting uh, close to uh, apple cider season. I'm like obsessed with everything apple flavored. So I'm looking forward to getting my warm apple ciders on pretty soon. That, 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 that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't have to be stuck to just the morning. So apple cider, is that something you've always like dug or is it something like as you've gotten, you know, as you become an adult, you're like, oh, this stuff's actually really good. I, yeah it's just something about me i've just always like said uh been uh craving like everything apple flavored uh uh used to live in omaha and um not, not that far away uh, i guess uh i think it's nebraska city they have like a huge apple festival like mm-hmm. like i go to town like everything apple <laughs> apple you know butter you know apple pies i got like you know five apple pies from different stands like uh <laughs> get my apple cider like apple donuts so yeah apple cider is very much my jam i, I, I love a good apple cider. i always love that that vibe of those things where it's just like oh we're having a, a peach festival and everything's fucking peach <laughs> it's just like yeah every, like, let's, everything let's let's drive this absolutely into the ground just put shit put it in shit that doesn't need to be peach beer peach whatever like just everything yeah uh there's a local pumpkin patch we go peach to. lotion yeah peach lotion. Make it work. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh peach shaving cream to get rid of your peach fuzz like just mm-hmm. whatever 
Yeah. <laughs> nice. It, 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 it strikes me as such like an oddly American thing where it's like, here's this one thing. Let's just really burn is. it to the fucking ground and hammer it into everything and have a we're whole big celebration that, that we're doing this. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, how about you, Brian? What's, what's, uh, I know you mentioned that you're a coffee drinker. What's, what's your, uh, what's your uh, preferred brand if you have one? Um, well, I did, I used to care a lot about coffee. But now that I don't have a ton of time to prepare and I live in New England, I just I just drink a whole lot of Dunkin' Donuts coffee <laughs> at this point. Just a cold brew with like espresso in it. And that's it. Nice. Nice. I, of course, I'm flashing to that SNL skit about Dunkin'. I think I was Boston. <laughs> there yeah, that's where I live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, I got you know, Dunkin' Donuts was the first coffee i i started drinking i wasn't a big coffee drinker until my 20s and that was the first cup i'm like oh of course it was like you know compounded with a, like a pound of sugar and creamer that i didn't ask for in there but you know <laughs> that that's dunkin donuts right you, that's exactly right you can go to five different dunkin donuts and ask for cream and sugar you can get five different <laughs> five different <laughs> tasting coffees for sure uh, yeah no that, that that that's cool so Let's get to it. Savage Wizard. Uh, this book looks wicked as hell. Um, Brian, the art is fantastic. It gives me a lot of like... There, there's, a, there's a lot of comics that came out like in the 90s that were like the independent comics because there's a, such a big boom and all that. And occasionally you would come across one that was black and white and kind of like just ultra-violent, ultra-gritty and the art's like, oh, wow, this is, like, just as good as everything else that's out there. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't <laughs> during that time. And I really get that vibe from this book. Um, not, to call, not to even uh, say that it's uh, dated or anything like that in, in the slightest. It's very uh, matches in with the modern look of comics and stuff like that. Just the feel I'm getting, the grittiness, the, like, underground kind of nature of what's happening like each panel is just packed with like chaos and and you definitely have uh in the preview pages i saw you know moments where you you step back a little bit you let things breathe a little bit <laughs> but you're definitely drawing your ass off on this book um so was this how did this collaboration between you and leslie come about did you did leslie approach you did you guys just know each other from before uh how did how did this all come together uh, me and Leslie were on, uh, well, me and Leslie and Doug were uh, part of this thing called the Comic Jam, uh, where you would get paired up with a writer if you're an illustrator and you had about a week to create a one page comic together, you know, based on the theme. Mm -hmm. And we'd all taken part of that for a while and we hadn't had a chance to work with each other ever. And kind of out of the blue for me, um, they just kind of hit me up and asked, Hey, do you want to work on this project? And when they sent me the script and showed me the reference material, I was in, you know, it was <laughs> just such a cool project and it was right up my alley. Um, it, it challenged me in a lot of ways that I, you know, I, I, I needed challenging, but it was also like a lot of the stuff that they wanted me to do. I was just, you know, super into it and ready for it. Awesome. And my apologies. I should have mentioned at the top, you know, Doug Wood is a co-writer on this and your collaborator. And he was going to be here today, but 
unfortunately he's uh, not feeling well, but hopefully he's on the mend quickly and uh, back to 100% in no time. Um, Leslie, since you and Doug kind of co-wrote this, what was that kind of relationship with? Because I've, I've spoken to a few co-writers before, and everyone has kind of like a slightly different working relationship. How, how does that work with you guys? Is, is someone like the big picture and someone's like the details, or is it literally like uh, a whole lot of phone calls and back and forth and emails and stuff like that, and then uh, one of you writes and the other one like puts their spin on it or whatever? So we're definitely uh, very much back and forth. Uh, it was uh, both of our first times co-writing, actually. So it was a kind of a interesting dance we had to figure out to to figure out our process. But basically, uh, how we um, did the, scripted this was um, I would write a couple pages, and Doug would write a couple pages, and then we would go over them both. And then uh, once we were kind of satisfied with the the revisions and kind of looking over everything, we would basically just marry those chunks of pages. So. I would write, you know, like say the first three pages and Doug would write, you know, pages four through six. And then we would pretty much, yeah, um, match them together and uh, and kind of just look at everything and make sure everything felt cohesive and, you know, um, the characters' voices were the same. And um, that's pretty much how we did from, uh, you know, page one all the way to till the end. And uh, it seems like it worked well. Uh, I think Brian told us, like, he actually didn't notice any any difference, uh, you know, in terms of like um, uh, get in terms of it feeling like yeah it was two writers or anything like that that's awesome that's awesome so brian had mentioned you guys had approached him with the story uh who between you and doug who's was there one of you who had this idea and came to the other or was it kind of this something you guys happened upon together yeah so actually um uh so wrote this around 2019 um Pretty much at the time, I was seeing a bunch of pitch vember tweets. It was basically, you're supposed to come up with like a log line for mm-hmm. a story every day. And so I had come up with a bunch, and uh, the the central concept for this was one of them. And uh, Doug had kind of just approached me randomly because uh, we were in a, a creator Discord together. And he basically said, like, hey, I, I like your stuff. want to do something together. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> Let's figure something out. And we kind of went back and forth on ideas, you know, just nothing stuck. And then finally, I, I, I pitched this one to him, like, what if uh, our barbarian was forced to reclass as a wizard? And he was like, oh, my gosh, that's the one. Like, let's let's work on that. <laughs> and, and we did. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a really cool pitch. Like, like oh, that, so you, you definitely, like, set, you paint a picture alone with, with this, that pitch. Like, because anyone who's even slightly <laughs> familiar with the D&D type stuff or you know, barbarians and wizards and stuff, just know, like, okay one thing has to become the absolute opposite essentially. And that in right. itself is like rife with just possibility of what you can possibly do and all that. Uh, so from conception to, to completion, how, how, how long has this uh, whole journey taken you guys? About two years, uh, me and Doug scripted it pretty fast. Um, uh, and even the, the regions, I think, uh, didn't take too much longer but um with covid and personal stuff it, it, it took us a while to get in touch with uh with brian i don't think it was until maybe early spring this year that we actually started um kind of uh working with brian and 
doing character design and you know him um starting um to do the art and everything so the the script you know obviously the writer's job's a lot easier and, and happens a lot faster but the, the the script uh yeah was done a, wh- a while ago but um yeah, brian has uh more recently hopped on on board with the uh, team savage wizard awesome awesome so you know that was there a particular reason why you guys decided to keep this black and white as opposed to going with full color or was that a just, you know, uh, a creative decision driven by, you know, finances where it's like, okay, we can try to expense a colorist for this or all that, or we can just try to do a black and white because it definitely works black and white. It's definitely, uh, <laughs> looks great, you know, no issues there, but you know, it's, it's definitely a choice to make something black and white these days versus color. So was was that something that you guys uh, had to really think about, or was it just kind of like from the get go you you envisioned it this way? It was. It was a twofold decision. It definitely was um, the financial aspect of it. Um, just you know, in, in terms of uh, cutting our, our budget uh, constraints or our budget costs to kind of lower them a little bit, and also just because luckily freaking brian's art is you know so amazing his, his line works up and his uh his shading his tones are so amazing like yeah it it works so perfectly as a black and white comic so you know it, it doesn't feel like it's missing anything by being black and white no not not in the slightest uh brian is, is your work do you work digitally or do you work traditionally because i'm seeing a lot of like uh zipatones type type work here is that stuff you're doing digitally or is that on the page uh, I make way too many mistakes to to do <laughs> traditional. I'm I'm all digital the whole time. Okay, awesome. and uh, for the most part, I've worked almost entirely black and white. I don't think I've ever worked with a colorist before. Okay. Um. So yeah. So I, I'm very used to to drawing it uh, to look okay in black and white. Well, it looks more than okay. Too modest. Yeah. Way too modest. No, you 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 definitely have a great eye for spotting the blacks and creating the depth and dimension. Uh you know, required for something to be in black and white and to be effective and to, to have that sense of space and all that. So, uh, don't, don't, don't be too humble <laughs> about, about that share. Uh, and I must say for, you know, you telling me that this is all digital, it looks very organic. It looks very, it looks as if it were traditional. I would, I wouldn't instantly be able to say like, Oh, he worked tradition. He worked either way on this, you know, I would guess like, oh, maybe some of these things were done digitally, but like, you know, a lot of the figures and stuff like, oh, maybe he just added some stuff digitally after or whatever. But yeah, you, you definitely uh, bring an organic uh, look, even working digitally, which, you know, isn't impossible these days is because technology and, and brushes and experience and skill and, and all that. But it's definitely, just uh, definitely could be a tell sometimes with, 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 uh, with art. Um, and I speak that from personal experience myself. <laughs> that a, a digital might, uh, drawing might might look different than than a uh, traditional traditionally ink drawing. So, do you normally um, do you, have you always drawn digitally? Because you know I'm you know I'm 39. So for me, like the whole digital art thing was like I wasn't necessarily on the cusp of that. <laughs> I'm coming to it after the fact. But there's a lot of artists now who, you know, never really touched paper. <laughs> you know, they've always had some sort of little tablet or something 
or or anything like that so was was digital something you've been doing for a while or is that uh, a more newer experience for you um well when i decided to start trying to make comics uh i i decided to go digital for mostly for cost cutting reasons really because i couldn't Mm -hmm. afford nice pens and all this other stuff like that so i could save up for a really cheap tablet and a really old laptop and i used uh this software called manga studio Mm -hmm. that i found out about um because the laptop i had couldn't run something like photoshop uh and that it kind of just stuck with me because the thing was built for uh making comics and eventually it turned into clip studio paint and i've just kind of stuck with you know with them since then awesome yeah i you know not that it was that long ago but yeah i remember when manga studio turned into clip studio and and all that and I've never gotten more out of a program that I've paid like 24 bucks for (laughs) than I have from now clip studio. Uh, and even when comparing to Photoshop, like it's like, I can't even, I don't even want to touch Photoshop for art (laughs) at at this point. So you no big loss for you there. (laughs) You did the, I think you did the smartest thing possible. So that's awesome. Um, so when you guys were putting together the campaign, what was what was like the, the the big the big tier that you guys were kind of thinking was going to be like the one you're most excited to present to people cuz some people are really excited to just you know have a the digital version out some people are just excited to have the physical book out but some people have like a lot of like stuff with variant covers or prints and stuff like that what was was there a tier that you guys were like we really want people to like get this one because we feel like that presides like the, the full on experience. I really want people to go and uh, get drawn into the book by Brian and get murdered powerfully <laughs> yeah. uh, by him also. Yeah. That's one of my favorite tiers I see. I can never afford it, but one of my favorite tiers is, you know, when you offer to have someone drawn into the book and get killed, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, I don't think I've seen a Kickstarter yet that hasn't had those like fill up easily by the end. <laughs> There's always yeah. as you know, as an artist and as someone who knows a bunch of artists, I'm always like, you know, you could always like just kill me as a henchman or something, right? They just draw me into the book <laughs> for some reason. I don't know what the pool is for that for people, uh, myself included. Like, yeah, just draw, draw me just getting just fucking obliterated by somebody. It's cool. <laughs> it's memorable. Yeah, 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 it's just fun to be memorialized like that. <laughs> and it's something you know, it's something like I like doing. I've done that a few times. I've drawn people getting their heads chopped off or you know obliterated by machine gun fire or whatever. It's it, yeah, it it's just a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, we got two takers so far. So there's a uh, three slots left for uh, people that like want to die a gory death <laughs> in this comic. There you go, and, and you know it's at a very reasonable price too. You know, a hundred dollar yeah, pledge to get so. drawn into it. I mean, I've seen some go for like three or four hundred bucks, and yeah. yeah. So, if 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 that sounds like your jam, just getting probably just like blown apart by some wizard spell or cleaved in half by <laughs> a giant sword, uh, and have it look amazing while while uh, it's happening to you, definitely check that one out. That one that one seems really cool. 
So uh, a lot of Kickstarters these days, they are kind of going the route of incorporating other types of media into in, into the into their books, such as like music or uh, some people. Have, I've seen some people do like small animations and stuff like that. Has that was that something that ever crossed your mind of doing like trying to get some music in or or uh, some type of uh, additional media tied into the Kickstarter? No, unfortunately, it wasn't uh, thinking outside the box uh, like that, but it definitely would be cool. But no, that didn't really um, cross our minds when we were putting this together. Well, well you know, it's it's easily something that can go off the rails, too, <laughs> and not be and ultimately yeah, not be worth sure. it for you as well. But as you know, like I said, as because it seems like in the past couple of years, especially that Kickstarter mm-hmm. for independent comics has just exploded. More projects left and right are getting funded. I think it has to do with people being smarter about it. People uh, kind of just having that more experience or learning from the experience of others and all that. So seeing these slight deviations or people trying to find these extra things to toss in there is, is always interesting to hear about. But, you know, on the flip side, I am also always appreciative of a Kickstarter. It's like, here's our book. Here's some, you know, cool prints variants uh you have a real cool thing here we have a chat with uh leslie and doug and that stuff you know is like also i think incredibly smart as well because you guys are doing this as, as this is a one shot if i recall correctly yes uh actually you, like, it's uh the number one in a mini series got like a four issue mini series that we're, we're planning well e- even even better um because the the whole single issues being funded by Kickstarter. That is a thing that several years ago was like a red flag. And now I see it and I'm like, cool. So then hopefully like, you know, I back this, I get it, you know, hopefully, you know, in a few months, second, second Kickstarter comes out for the second one. Cool. Let me get that. And then you get the opportunity to say, Hey, you missed the first one. You can also get issue one with this as well. And, and all that. So I, I think yeah, like, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I like where that's been going. Also, I've been seeing so much of that um, lately. Now it's like, yeah, people with ongoings and they're, they're able to provide those back issues that you might not have been able to, to grab in um, earlier Kickstarter campaigns. You can still get like, caught up and get those um, earlier issues. If you're um, uh, hopping onto a Kickstarter uh, a little bit later in the series life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's definitely something I'm looking into for my own projects where it's like, okay. And also, I think, you know, as for yourself as creators, as independent creators, it's a lot less pressure, I think, <laughs> than trying to finish 100 pages as opposed to, you know, 2022 or, uh, right. uh, you know, whatever the, the whatever this, the, this, the first, the, the single issues would be. In this case, it's 28. Uh, and then you're throwing in a ton of back matter and all that as well, which I'm very appreciative of. Uh, I'm a process junkie. I like seeing all the sketches and thumbnails and notes and things like that. And my ideal book would be the comic and then like five different versions of it in the back with just like the pencils, the inks, <laughs> the, the thumbnails, the, in you know, the only like readable scratch scribble thumbnails that you know, only the artist knows what the hell this means. And even then, you probably couldn't remember what it was supposed to be <laughs> when they're done. Uh, and then, like the script and notes, is like 
you know, I, I want to, I want, I want all the commentary, all of it. Obviously, that's not feasible, and it's probably a bad business decision to try to do. But <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing I'm like. You can never so have too much. About. You can never I'm have too much. That idea. Yeah. Oh shit, that's a great idea, dude. You should do that commentary uh, on a on a comic book, especially as the illustrator, you know, yeah. or the writer. Just that like, sounds like fun. Well, yeah. there, was, there was definitely um, there's definitely been a few audio commentaries. On, on a few books, I believe um, most recently with Happy Hill from Joe Mulvey and Rich Dueck, they mm. uh, they did like an MP3 kind of page by page commentary. But that was something I was going to do. You know, I had a Kickstarter a few years ago that tanked, but that was one of the things that we were going to do with it, like have page by page, even like ding, turn the page. <laughs> okay, not about this page and blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, it's it's something I've seen I've seen a few times, and I've you know I think it's I think it's again I, I can't get enough of that kind of stuff. Um, but whenever someone puts the back matter and stuff like that, I I enjoy that because I, I again I like seeing the process of things and because everyone does everything a little bit different, mm. you know. So you. so you had mentioned that when you were crafting Savage Wizard and you, you gave. Uh, Brian received like kind of like a, the the pitch and like kind of like the reference images all that. What were you using as those references to kind of like sell him on the book? What was? Can, do you feel like you feel comfortable sharing <laughs> what you're pulling from to kind of uh, give yeah, him an idea? Yeah, um, I wish Doug was here, but um, it was some wrestlers. I, I don't remember the specific wrestlers because Doug's the wrestling guy. But um, we had some some wrestlers that uh, we used for a reference material for um, our main guy Renar in the. Um, uh, his antagonist, um, Scum. Oh, awesome. Well, this isn't a, a graceful segue because we just had like a <laughs> audio hiccup that I, uh, that I totally botched, but we have some awesome Twitter questions and I would uh, feel terrible if we did not get to all of them. So let's go. First one is from, uh, our buddy, Sean Pryor, amazing writer. Who's been kicking ass lately. Uh, he has yes. a question for lesson, Brian. What was the first book thing? I'm sorry. What was the first thing, book, movie, person, etc., that got you wanting to create things? Um, if we're going way back, um, I my first comic ever was. It's funny this happened. Was it this year? Um, it was Godzilla versus King Kong. I wrote like some Godzilla versus King Kong story. <laughs> I, I think it was it was the first grade, first grade, and I, I wrote that. And I, I made a couple photocopies, and I was, I was really proud of it. Um, so that was like the first thing I, I ever made. Awesome. I've, uh, I've I've gotten away from from drawing, but yeah, that was my first thing. And I, I've definitely you know done a lot of other stories since, but that that's my earliest uh, kind of comics memory. I don't know if it's the very first thing, but the thing that stands out the clearest is uh, I bought the DVD version of Desperado by Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and and the special you know features thing he has a whole like really quick film school thing that he does and he runs you through the movie and how he did a bunch of the effects and how he wrote it and how he funded it and a bunch of stuff like that and it really made it seem super doable to make movies and make you know tell your stories and if you read his book too it, it it's pretty good for that as well that's awesome yeah i think i think that kind of stuff has been such a boon for you know, creators growing up, just seeing someone who made something they like saying, here's how easy it is or not how Mm -hmm. easy, but here's how I did this. And you can do this too. 
you know, I've noticed a lot of these YA books uh, now that my daughter's five and reading and stuff like that. She's got like the Dog Man books, and I know my buddy Dave Scheid did it with his Mayor Good Boy book. But they have like little sections in the back where they show you how to draw the characters step by step. And yeah, Dog Man. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like that's it's awesome. Like, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like it, it, it creates such like a low pressure situation for these kids is go and learn how to draw these characters and then make their own stories with these characters and stuff like that. So I think, you know, as a, on a more adult scale, <laughs> Robert mm-hmm. Rodriguez is talking about Desperado <laughs> and, and all that, you know, I think, I think that, but I think it's the same vibe, right? Like, it's like, here's how I did this. And now, you know how I did this. So now you can take this and apply it to whatever you're going to do. And, and, and you can make this thing as well. So love those answers guys. Um, from Daniel Kalban, he wants to know what's your favorite D and D class. I actually just started playing only a few months ago. Shout out to the good noodles, but um, currently I am a level four rogue. Um, in my other uh, one shot campaign we have, I have a uh, gosh, I think she's like a level four. Um, she like an, I think she's like an orc mage or, or something of that sort. But I guess my my rogue is probably my, my favorite just because that's what I'm most used to. Genasi rogue. Hmm. How about you, Brian? Um, I've only played very little Dungeons and Dragons, but if anyone remembers the game Rifts, I actually played that for a while, and uh, they had like a half human, half dog, uh, class before furries were a thing. Uh, that I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I haven't. I don't think I've ever played D anD. d uh, I think the only art uh, role playing game I ever played was like the X Men one, and nice. I and I was much, I was I was very young, and I quit in a fit because the guy running it, uh, I had like Professor X move, and he's like, oh, he was sitting on a bench, so now he fell and he's on the floor because he didn't say he moved to the chair or whatever, and he was fucking with me. But I got I was like eight or nine, and I'm just like, fuck this shit. I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was eight or nine, so it was probably more like. <gasps> And I left. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I know I a role playing guy, but um, I did play a lot of Warcraft, the original Warcraft, uh, before the whole world of stuff. But I don't think that applies here. <laughs> um, okay, we're we're gonna have to get to old hot slop Grant's question here. Grant Stoy back again with another just crazy ass question. Grant, please do not stop asking these crazy ass questions. They are rapidly becoming one of my favorite things. Um. He wants to know if you could distill regret into a flavor, what would it be, and why is it black licorice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, black licorice is the worst. You know, Grant. Uh, Me <laughs> speaking to Grant directly here, I don't know if I would I would say black licorice tastes like regret. It's not great, <laughs> but I don't know if I would call it. I'm going to have to think about what I would do that, but Leslie, go ahead. Uh, I'm not going to say black licorice because, you know, it's usually already bad. You know, it's like you taste it immediately and that's, that's a mistake. I'm going to say for me, it's, it's personally, it's coconut because I'll eat something and I don't realize that that's coconut and, and then slowly start to taste the coconut. I'm just like, why? That That's literally <laughs> for me regret. Like, why? I was tricked. So, yeah, coconut for me, that that's what regret tastes like. 
Yeah, I think I think black licorice. You kind of know what you're getting into with black licorice. Yeah, if you see it, you you can avoid it. I think mine's got to be like a very personal. <laughs> if I have to say what flavor regret is for me, that would be uh, a can of Pepsi with a cigarette died out in it. Because, Holy shit. Oh, because wow. dude, the, you picked one of my. What I was gonna say is. <laughs> it's gonna be a can of beer, like when you walk away from a yeah. can of beer at a party. And someone, and yeah, it, the wrong one. It, oh. And this, this, this ties back to to my, you know, my mom putting out her cigarette and her soda, and me not knowing she did that, and think I'm gonna go steal a sip of her soda, and then, oh no, <laughs> fucking cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, oh, that's so regret. Weird. That is regret yeah. right there. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad we're on the same page, Brian. Same <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get something more positive from at Shining Capella Alaire Rassiat. Hopefully, I'm not butchering your name too much. Um, I think it's Rassico. Rassico? Oh, that makes more sense. Um, I think so. What ice cream flavor do you spiritually resonate with? Which I think is an amazing question, and thank you for asking that. If I'm forced to choose... I usually go for cookies and cream. Um, I'm not the biggest ice cream person, but I, that's usually my go-to if I if I'm eating some ice cream. Yeah, because Oreos you can't be can't be a good Oreo. So <laughs> yeah, cookies or cream is usually my, my go-to. We'll, we'll give Brian a few more minutes, uh, a little bit longer to think about this because you mentioned cookies and cream, and I think I think cookies and cream is one of those ice creams where it's like it's 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 not it's it's hard to find one that's not okay like a brand or whatever like you can get like a cookies and cream mm-hmm. from like whatever cheap brand that's in like you know even like the ones that are like in the gallon bucket at the end of the aisle or whatever for like two dollars <laughs> or something that's right. like, you know, higher end that's like you know twelve dollars a pint or whatever i don't feel like there's like that huge of a gap in between <laughs> in between uh cookies and cream flavors um so that, that that that's a pretty good one i i would say cuz cuz it's it's a good uh go to i would say um personally uh i would say i would have said chunky monkey chunky like monkey. from ben and jerry's but most recently i think uh the the ice cream that's tapped into my soul is from this fancy brand called jenny's and it is uh, peanut butter with dark chocolate fleck or something like that. And it is literally like just like eating a Reese's cup ice cream, like but like better than a Reese's cup ice cream is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, awesome. it's it is amazing, and it is uh, the bane of my existence because once the weekends hit, weekend hits, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have a a treat this weekend. That's all I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> until i go and i spend too much on a pint and then i eat the whole thing and i'm like oh man this is uh i'm gonna regret this but i, for- <laughs> I forget all that by the next weekend anyway all right brian how about you well I'm, i might lose people but um if they made mint uh ice cream without chocolate chips that would probably be it because while I like chocolate chips, when it's cold like that, it kind of turns into like broken glass, mm-hmm. and my teeth are crap. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I get it. I'm not a mint chip guy or a mint 
flavoring guy, but the mint chips I have had and all that, I'm like, the the chocolate kind of is like, eh, like, I, I don't necessarily, it didn't exactly make the experience any better <laughs> for me. Um, but no, I, I don't think you're going to lose anybody on that. Like, mint ice cream isn't nearly as, like, gross as someone would think it was, because I used to think, like, who the fuck would want mint in their ice cream? That sounds absolutely disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then my wife would be getting mint chip and all that. And I'm like, I'd finally get it. I'm like, oh, this is like an Andy's mint situation where it's like, yeah, exactly. oh, okay. Okay, I get it. This is more sweet. And you kind of have that minty in there. Okay, that's fine. Um, mm. But no, no, I, 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 I would hope no one would write you off for that answer. <laughs> but this is the internet. I'm back so. to because you want, you want is... chocolate chips out of your ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, there'll be some forum somewhere where someone get, catches wind of this, and the mint chip enthusiasts will come after you, and you'll be canceled mm. from Watch out. from mint chip. <laughs> this uh, is the hill I will die on. I don't yeah. <laughs> uh, now, while technically uh, this person said this is a question for less, I think this is an important question. We all need to look inside ourselves, ponder, and kind of uh, internalize for a while, and really give a heartfelt answer to, and that is, why is RoboCop the greatest story ever told? From at Mike Morocco. Oh, man. See, it, 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 it's something that's like, we know it's true, but... Yes. <laughs> how, do so we, how, how do we say it's true without just saying, yeah, that's true. That's, 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 <laughs> you know, it's a story of perseverance and love. It's it's got all it's got all it's 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 man versus man, then machine versus man, then machine versus machine, and then you know machine becomes man you know once again kind of. <laughs> uh, also, lots of boom pow explode. So you know it's 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 got something for everyone I think, except little kids. But you know. Well, unless you started when you were way too young, like like I did. I can't remember how old I was. I was definitely under the age of uh, 13. So yeah. still have that uh, image of uh, God read from <laughs> that 70s yeah. show getting melted. <laughs> getting a little spike in his throat. In my, yeah. My, yeah, ingrained in my memory forever. Well, I was, I was born in 82, and I think RoboCop 2 came out in, what, 89 or 90? And I saw that in the theater. My dad took us to see that in the theater. Oh, so wow. I could, I was like, yeah, nine. <laughs> uh, at that point we had like, you know, we had, uh, you know, uh, dubious means acquired HBO. So at that point <laughs> we hadn't seen enough shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my dad was, oh, my dad was just like, what am I going to do with these kids? You know, he's got three boys. What am I going to do? Let's just, I was the youngest. He's like, let's just go see this this movie or whatever. It's got robots. Cool. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. No, Dad. No. <laughs> uh, uh. But yeah, that's why. I, that's why I think it's it's the greatest story ever told. It's got everything. It's got love, violence. Family. I mean, it's a family movie. Apparently, family. So it's about family. <laughs> and, it's and about family. It it's about loss family. and grief and acceptance and mm-hmm. finding purpose and. You know, it's why it doesn't have all the Oscars. I don't know. Probably, it really should. You know, it's probably you know the one dude getting smushed against the 
the vet the van while they're driving in after getting radioactive <laughs> shit poured all over them that probably hurt its chances but who knows it is a really perfect 80s movie now that i think about it it like it has a lot of world building in there and it's it's like you said before those other those older comics that is like just gritty and you know like you would never be able to make well when they remade it they cleaned up that movie a ton right yeah uh right they took all the the grit out of it all the dirt out of it and reflection of the time (laughs) from what i can remember it's like dirty streets and like just like do you remember in in 80s movies when places right yeah 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 and places like detroit and 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 new york and they were just showing and they were like these like urban hell holes like where where if you stopped your car like dudes would run up and like rub newspaper on the windshield and it was just one of the most dangerous places in the world ever and like none of that exists anymore so movies like that are like i kind of feel like they're super important you know no no totally you you don't get that (laughs) that much of a vibe from a movie like those 80s movies like that especially with robocop it kind of like really i think set a template for like these B action movies to follow in its stead that they mm-hmm. completely did not get the point of Robocop, but <laughs> they no. took a lot of the aesthetics <laughs> and the ideas that they right. thought were there and were like, let's do this. Like, let's make this really gritty. And like, yeah, you don't, you don't see that a lot anymore with the streets just being lined with garbage. And, you know, in that movie, if, yeah, if you, if you thought your car was, you're fucked, you're done. Like it's the purge. Yeah. <laughs> you're done. Uh, in regards yeah and they built in like commercials and there like they put in a lot of work it was like a comic book made into a movie Mm -hmm. before you know before they did like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that right that movie came before yeah uh, Ninja Turtles Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah I I gotta rewatch it because I don't remember a lot of it but I remember but like you get like a real clear picture of the world they live in which is not easy to do you know Mm-hmm. no no exactly yeah there's a t- ton of great world building and you know the even the characterizations are good it, it, it's slight but it's good you know it's you get what you need you know it kind of reminds me of like pacific rim where it's like you you get this all those worlds building set up and all this stuff and it's like you, you get enough of what you need from the characterization to, to to move the story and have enough of a hook for everything and it's not this long drawn out thing and and all that and in regards to like the 2014 remake which wasn't terrible but it wasn't like good <laughs> so <laughs> to speak uh you know it wasn't as bad as i think as people were were uh making it out to be but it was definitely neutered yeah you know and uh there was definitely some it had, it had a few good moments and what's his name didn't do a, too bad of a job but yeah, you know, the first, you know, making it PG-13 was like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> but now we're off, we're off, we're off topic on that. So those are the Twitter questions. Thank you, everyone who asked. Um, we had some great questions. So before we wrap up the show, um, I want to thank you guys for coming on. I had a lot of, a lot of fun talking to you guys and getting to know you. Uh, and before we leave and... Uh, you guys let everybody know where they can contact you on social media. One last thing about Savage Wizard is we've talked about it, we've danced around it, but we haven't we haven't heard the pitch. 
<laughs> and I think this looks really cool. It looks really fun. The art's great. The story sounds unique and awesome. And I definitely want people to to check this out. So uh, whoever wants to do it, give us the elevator pitch. What is Savage Wizard? Savage Wizard is a brutal action comedy that asks the question, what if Conan the Barbarian was forced to become a wizard? That's it right there. What more do you need, people? The You know, it, it's got action. It's got drama. It's got plenty of violence. <laughs> plenty of cool-looking swords. Plenty of big, badass dudes wailing on stuff. Uh, the art is awesome. It's gritty, but still clean and... The environments are rendered beautifully, and yeah, it's a great-looking book. The tiers on the book, like I said, are super easy to get. So you guys have uh, the digital tier for the first issue being five bucks, which is like a no-brainer. Even if you're like for any reason hesitant, five bucks, boom, there you go. What you got nothing to lose there. You're gonna get 28 pages of story, 12 pages of back matter. You can't get a better deal from any big two book these days like that. Like, so Savage Wizard it's on Kickstarter now. Leslie, Brian, can you let everybody know where they can find you on the social medias? I'll make sure there are links in the show notes below. Yep, on Twitter at Les Wright. So L E S W R I T E. And uh, I'm on uh, Instagram as uh, K-U-R-U Flint, so Kuru Flint, and on ArtStation under my real name. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Again, sorry that Doug couldn't be here, but I'm sure uh, either he himself or you guys will have more reason for me to have you guys back on, and we can make sure Doug's here as well. And we can talk about hopefully more Savage Wizard or some other cool new project you guys are doing. Thanks again. Oh man, thank you for having us on. Thanks for listening to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. Please be sure to join us next week with my guest, Andrew Bainham.